I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. In this podcast, we chat about the defeat to Sheffield United, the draw to Millwall. We look ahead to the midweek game against Birmingham with Gab Sutton and the FA Cup tie with Chelsea. And of course, we answer your podcast questions. This is the Board Breakdown podcast, and this is all your Bora Mash Day chatter in a pod. One support. Curtis Fleming is there on the edge of the air. Fleming for That's Craig it. Hignett. Hit it, Higgy. Higgy hits the track. Avenali coming alive again. Janino wants the ball played to him. Avenali spots out. Hello and welcome to the Bora Breakdown Podcast with Johnny, Dana and Tom. We are the Bora Podcast that gives you all of your Bora Match Day chatter in a podcast. And this week, a defeat to Sheffield United and a draw to Millwall saw Bora drop to eighth place in the championship table. One point off the playoff places with 10 games to go. Dana, tell me how you're feeling after the performances this week. It's a bit of a tricky one, actually, because first and foremost, we've enjoyed a, an improvement under Chris Wilder. We've watched some great football and lapped up some really good results. But I kind of feel like we're running out of steam a little bit, that the fixture schedule and injuries are starting to take its toll on the on the squad. And I mean, the game against Sheffield United on Tuesday night, we look mentally and physically tired. And compare that to the game... Yesterday against Millwall, it was competitive. We were definitely battling very hard. But I think there's been games of late where you can say quite confidently that Borough have looked pretty, pretty goosed. And it kind of, that was the theme of the week, I think. And I'm not, I'm by no means writing off our top six hopes. We're still very much in it. But I do think that this week has probably given us a, a bit of a reminder that there's still a lot of improvements to be made. Mm. Uh, run out of steam and improvements to be made. Tom, what do you think about the performances this week? How are you feeling about it? See, I, I was going to say very frustrated, but what Dan has just said there has changed my mind a bit because looking back on the result on Tuesday, yeah, I can I can see us being physically and mentally tired there. Watching it at the time, I just thought it was horrendous. Um, I mean... I think it was Wilder said in his Millwall press conference, uh, you know, he, he speaks to people around Sheffield and they said that was the best home performance they've had uh, in quite some time. And, you know, going into it, I said last week, like I've not been particularly impressed by them the last couple of times I've seen them on TV. And if we played as well as I knew we could, we could beat them. 
and then it was just it was just such a letdown on on Tuesday. But looking into you know the aspects of being physically and mentally tired, I can definitely see it. Um, the fixture schedule is kind of ridiculously cramped at the moment, um, and hopefully the international break, as as much as we all kind of like hate taking a week off uh, and and watching England batter someone. Um, <laughs> hopefully that's come at the right time and then we can kind of recharge and, and, and go again, you know, kind of last stretch towards the end of the season after that. Um, so that, that's kind of like what made of the Sheffield United game. Millwall, I did think, was a big improvement. Um, I, I thought from, you know, from the off, we we looked a lot sharper. I thought Balogun and, uh, and Connolly in particular looked a lot, lot sharper than they have been. And I thought we were pretty unlucky to win uh, yesterday. Um, you know, I'd have taken a draw going into it, so I'm not really that disappointed in the kind of grand scheme of things. But you know, it, it was nice to see an improvement after after what we saw on uh, on Tuesday against you know a physically strong uh, Millwall team. Yeah, uh, and Millwall are in great form as well. So Sheffield United and its teams are in and around us, and I think there's there's it's very easy to to be frustrated. At, I think both results, and I think they were both well. I think the Millwall's a good point. Um, but then also Sheffield United, it was a really di- it's a disappointing display. You know, it's I think it's the first time in a long time that I've seen a Borough team be be absolutely battered all over the pitch. And and I think it was just a I know we've said it in the last few podcasts, so it's like kind of like a, oh it's a bit of an off night here and there. But it just felt like everything and everyone was off 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 the off the base, and that could come down to fatigue. And then when you look at the squad and the depth of it, the injuries that we've got. And sometimes you have a bit. You you just don't have that look there. I think when you when you look at the injuries in the midfield at the moment, you don't have a right wing back to cover for Isaiah Jones. Of course, I think things do build up, and I think a, a defeat like that sometimes just just happens. And the big picture is that although we might not get, we, we may get promoted the season, we may not get promoted the season. But I like what you've said for the for the last few podcasts and and months, and probably for the, like the last year when when Wales took over. This is a big project long-term, think big picture, and I feel like Millsborough will be in a, a much, much better place um, in the next 18 months uh, under Chris Wilder than, than they were in the last 18 months. So let's talk about Sheffield United then because the board travelled to Bramall Lane against the promotion rivals. The 4-1 defeat is the heaviest defeat we've had uh, since February 2021 where Brentford came with the Riverside and beat us four goals to one. And that was a game which I looked at the highlights of and it was just as bad as I remembered. Um, but Dana, what what went wrong against Sheffield United then, and how were we able to, and how were they able to break us down so so easily? I think the easier question would be what went right because yeah. I watched a board team on Tuesday night that didn't look like the board team that we've been praising quite passionately and deservedly this season. It was just, as you said, a really really off night, a really bad evening. And I think in terms of Sheffield United setup. They set out to press us with intent and with purpose and with aggression. And they basically tried to nullify our build out from the back and in midfield. And saw that in the second goal. Houser gets caught napping and about five seconds later they score. But talk about the second goal. When the first goal went in, we were always going to climb a, a, a mountain, to be honest, because in 50% of our away games this season, we've conceded the first goal and we're yet to win, having conceded first. So, yeah, I think it's something like eight, 18 away games, nine defeats, and then 
I can't even remember what it is, but basically when we when we concede first away from home, we nine times out of ten lose the game. We've only recovered two points from from a losing position, so it's difficult for Borough when we do concede the first goal. So it was always going to be an uphill battle after that, especially Sheffield United being at home. Chris Wilder's reunion, I guess, with the with the Bramall Lane faithful, and it yeah, it was a really 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 tough evening. Probably epitomised by Joe Lumley getting stuck in the in the net, and then Lee Peltier's foul throw. It was uh, yeah, I don't think I can take a single positive from Tuesday night if I'm being honest. Yeah, it, it was a really difficult night and it was the first time, like I mentioned earlier, Tom, that we, we've been thoroughly beaten under Chris Wilder. And it was it's completely different to what we've seen under him as well. Um, were you concerned with like the manner we got beat against uh, Sheffield United? Yeah, um, you know, I, I thought it was really difficult to watch. Um, personally, I turned it off at 3-0. I just, I, did, I didn't want Same. to watch it anymore. So um, I was just like, no, I'm, I'm done. I, I, even, I mean, I was checking Twitter just to kind of keep up to date with it. Even when we scored, there wasn't any kind of celebration from me other than get in, Balogun's finally got a goal. Uh, and, and then I watched it. I'm like, oh, I mean, it wasn't exactly a well-worked goal, <laughs> but at least he's got one. Um yeah, I think the manner of it, it was really disappointing. Um, as Dana said, and I mean, Chris Wilder said the same thing. There was no positives from that from that game at all. Um, I, I couldn't, you know, if we, if we were doing the praise and place only off off one game this week, there wouldn't be anyone in it for me because, uh, like I say, it was horrendous. Um, it just, I think it goes to show how much work is still needing to be done. And that, that game's kind of... Although we can get a bit carried away with the runner results we were on, um, that game's kind of got me thinking, you know, I, I feel like we're, we're going to be in for not so much a rebuild in the summer, but, you know, we, we need certain areas addressing in the summer. And then I, I fully expect us to to go again and, and be one of the top two teams next year. Um but as as for this year, it's it's kind of like a reality check of of where we are, I think, um, and and where kind of the uh, the mental strengths of the the squad lie, I think. Just on that yeah. stat I mentioned quickly, um, I'll just <clears throat> say what it was because I did butcher it just then. Uh, we conceded the first goal in fifty percent of our away games this season, eighteen away games, nine times that we've conceded the first goal, and we've only recovered two points. So nine defeats, two draws, yet to win from um, a losing position away from home, which is which is tricky, and it's weird that that is a, th- a theme because we've seen the fight back from Borough, we've seen especially at home the. I guess the resilience to come back from a knockback and yet we can't seem to do that away from home, which is a bit, a bit disappointing. Obviously you've got the the Blackpool game, which is the last away game uh, that we won uh, in the league. We obviously took a bit of a knockback, but we were in a leading position with Spurs goal. Then we conceded, then we obviously got that late winner. But yeah, it's, it's, it's a bit strange that, and I don't understand why it's almost a, We've gone back to the Jekyll and Hyde, haven't we? The the Borough at home and then Borough away from home, which is which is disappointing. Yeah, it could be like that, like psychological side of things, where when you're away from home, the home team, you know, the the they're willing to run a little that extra yard to to please the fans. You know, they're trying to be a bit more on the front foot, be a bit more aggressive, trying to pr- push our wing backs back and be a bit more, um, a bit. Probably take more of a risk than they would probably away from home when they're trying to secure a point, and it's kind of the, we've got a question on it, and we'll come away in a second round 
should we uh, potentially change the way that we, we play football away from home? Um, but there was uh, someone missing Dana um, on, against Sheffield United, and you can't miss him because he's an absolute dime piece, um, as you like to call it. But Anthony Dykesdale missed the game, in, uh, and he missed the game on Saturday as well. Appreciate one player doesn't make a team, but it did highlight how important he was to the back three, didn't he? Yeah, his absence does make a difference. And as soon as the teams came out on Tuesday night, I did look at the lack of Anthony Dyke still and thought, oof, this is going to be a little bit, this is going to be interesting because our defenders, our back three, shall we say, they're defenders by position, but their role is so much more than that. You'll see two out of three of them in the final third. Dale Fry yesterday was taking the ball into midfield areas. So I guess the players that come in to deputise for the mainstay first 11, shall we say, there's a difference in qualities. And Lee Peltier, in his own right, is a good player. I think nine times out of ten, he's dependable, although on Tuesday night, he did struggle. But you're taking away a player in Dykesdale who's overlapping and underlapping runs, definitely delivers a lot of quality in the final third. He allows, uh, he basically drags defenders out of a space that Jones and, and Crooks can then utilise. How many times have we seen Crooks or or Jones in that half space? It's because of Dykesteel's runs and his off-the-ball movement. And Peltier, let's not forget, has been a fullback for the majority of his career, but he's just not as effective in that role. So that's why I said at the top of the show that it's, it's reminding me of the improvements that we need to make because we probably need defenders of the same ilk of, of the likes of McNair and Dykesteel, who I would say is probably... Them two along with Jones are probably the most important players of this team, just because if you take them out, who, you know, the, the players that deputise in for them, they're not as effective. So big miss, Dyke Steele, ready to support he wasn't back yesterday. I know Chris Wilder said he would be, but obviously um, illness has is, is, is taken him beyond that game as well. But yeah, he is, he is a big, big miss. And I think it shows just how important he is to this team. Yeah, and obviously him being missing, you know, having a bit of an off night in the way that Sheffield United pressed and the way that teams are starting to press against us now, Tom. Is this kind of the the way to to beat this Millsborough side? Really aggressive on the press, stop the 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 centre-backs from pushing up and then also try to press Housen because he seems to be the key connector in quite a lot of Borough's attacks. Yeah, because I mean, the second goal on Tuesday, I, I mean, I, I was shouting at Housen so much to just get rid of the ball because uh, that, that goal entirely kind of started from from him dwelling on it. Um, but yeah, I think I think the pressing of the centre-backs and, and Housen, it is proven to be very effective for us because we're just too slow to get rid of the ball. Um, I, I think this is going to be something that's improved next year. Uh, I, I think, you know, we, we've any players that we, we bring in and, you know, with a full pre-season under, uh, under Wilder, it's probably something that's going to be addressed and would be able to play out a little bit more effectively from the back. But at the moment, it's just, it's a bit too slow at times. Um, and, and unless you've got someone like Dykesteel or even McNair, like bringing the ball out from the back and, and actually trying to, trying to dribble it out rather than, than pass it out. Um, if that press is, is there and, and blocking all the options, then, Really, the only option we have is going back to Lumley and, uh, you know, hoofing it along. Or, you know, alternatively, he's kind of holding onto the ball a bit too long, looking for another pass, and that's creating its its own problems. So, yeah, I think we've seen recently that is something that the teams are going to do against us more now, and it's it's definitely something that needs to be addressed. 
Okay, then. Um, so after after the game, um, Chris Wilder said he was quite shocked at how how poor individual individually the players were. Had no complaints, which we've pretty much alluded to anyway. Um, and he said he thought some players were here for the journey, but could be changing his mind on a couple of them. Then is there, is there anyone that you think you should potentially look at? But then also we have to be careful with this because it is football. It changes in a week. And also don't take it personally. <laughs> well, when he said that, I was thinking Spra because I remember after the pressing game, which was what the second game of Chris Wilder's time at the club, we went on Twitter spaces after it. And Chris Wilder, after that game, had said that there were players that were playing for themselves in that second half. We destructed in the space of like five minutes. Obviously, we, we were in front and then we lost the game, lost the lead, lost three points. And... I think a few people on that Twitter spaces were saying, yeah, he was talking about Spira. I think I mentioned Hernandez in that Twitter spaces. And it just, when he said that after the Sheffield United game, it did make me think back to that. And so it could potentially not be the first time if I am right in thinking that Chris Wilder might be questioning Spira, that that has been a question. But I do think it was, it was him um, that he was talking about. I just... It's a weird one with Spira because we know he could give a lot more. He's just been very ineffective for the past six, seven games. You know, his link-up play is very good. And I do, I appreciate what he brings in terms of bringing other people into play, but we haven't really seen that of late. And obviously the miss on Tuesday night was, I think, becoming vintage Spira, really. He's not a finisher and he's starting to become really ineffective in this team. I'm not really sure what he's offering at the moment, but then you could say that to for pretty much all of our strikers and we'll probably get onto that later. But but yeah, this this idea of a journey, which is obviously more than I, than, I, than an idea, Chris Wilder is obviously trying to implement it. It's interesting, isn't it? Because it's, it's easy to forget that Chris Wilder's only had one transfer window with this squad. He's, he's improved things in such a short space of time and certain players have really bedded into his style and his system that it feels like he's had about three or four transfer windows, but indeed he hasn't. So it's going to be a not a rebuild in the summer, but I certainly think it's going to be more shaped into what Chris Wilder wants. And I'd be surprised if if Spira is part of, the, part of the journey. But then you could say that about certain other players. I mean, where's Grant Hall? There's there's another one, another player that's that's disappeared. I think there's there's other players as well. Peltier, Bamba, potentially Neil Taylor. There's there's a few players there I think can uh, question marks over their future. Tom Tom, what do you think? Do you think it's it's a similar thing with Spira? Is anyone else to add to that? Yeah, I, I thought Spira. I mean, I'm I'm not saying this was particularly aimed at them, but I feel like there might have been words about the strikers on Tuesday. Because as I said at the start of the show yesterday at Millwall, I was I was really impressed with the um, the application levels from uh, from Connolly and Balligan. I thought they played a lot better than they have done um, recently. Or I suppose you can even even kind of say that for for most of the games they have had. Um, I, I don't think it was particularly aimed at them that comment, but. I feel like something must have been said to him because it it was just such an improvement from both of them, in particular, uh, in in comparison to to Tuesday. I mean, there were improvements across the whole squad. Uh, don't get me wrong, but they were the ones that stood out to me yesterday. Yeah. 
Okay, then, well, well, let's talk about Millwall then, because Chris Wilder made two changes to the side that got beat against Sheffield United, and of course, it was changes to the bench because uh, James Lee Saliki Sparrow was ill, and like Dyke Steele was still out Ill, Ill, Ill as well. But Balligan and Taylor came in um, for Bowler and Sparrow. Um, what were your opinions on the game then, guys? Because it felt like a bit of an arm wrestle, nothing too clear cut going through, a bit of a a bit of a rough and tumble game, but what were your opinions on it? Dan and John go first. Yeah, I only really caught the second half in this game, but it was uh it was quite an entertaining nil nil to be honest. There wasn't a point where I turned away and yawned as you would expect from a from a um a, a scoreless game, but it was it was pretty good. It was it was full blooded, it was committed, it was an arm wrestle, as you said. And Chris Wilder said after the looting game that we're not gonna get bullied here. And then we got bullied at Sheffield United, but we weren't going to get bullied at the Den, and we definitely didn't. And a lot of people are saying that it's it, it's a good point for me. It's only a good point if we get three points at, at St Andrews, because then if we don't, it kind of paves into not complete insignificance, but it, it continues the trend of not winning away from home. But it does stop the rot. We'd conceded two goals or more in each of our last four away games um before Millwall so it's good that we've obviously put an end to that because there was a there was a little bit of a of a theme wasn't there we we conceded two against Bristol City then conceded three against Barnsley then conceded four against Sheffield United I'm just glad we didn't concede five against Millwall so stops the rot there but yeah we still need to sort out our away form um we're averaging 2.11 points per game at home which is on par with Fulham as the best return in the league but away from home it's one point per game which is the lowest in the top half and yeah we're behind in terms of points per game the league average is 1.14 away from home uh win percentage we're currently on 22 percent win percentage away from home the league average is 29 so there's, there's, obviously our away form needs to change but hopefully that victory uh, victory i wish it was a victory hopefully that point against millwall can be a bit of a springboard for more confidence uh, on the road well, it's something we definitely have to improve on um, to, if we want to have the playoffs this season. But the, that home form is, is really, really good. If you get if you get two points, average two points a game throughout the season, you're definitely going to be in and around it. Um, we're hope probably doing that because of the home form is is, is being so good. Um, Tom, what's your opinion? Did did you feel like you had the yawn down uh, a little bit on that one, or was it a relative uh, good performance? I, I mean, I. I completely agree with what Dana said that it was a very entertaining and nil nil. I honestly I compared it to an ice hockey game at one point because it was very end to ends and everyone was just hitting each other. It was great. <laughs> That's a great way of saying it. I'm, I'm very amazed that there wasn't a red card in that game. because uh, when Jake Cooper got booked four minutes into it, I think it was. Uh, I think that's when I put in our group chats in there. There's, there's like definitely a red card here, and there just wasn't. But um, yeah, I mean, especially after after the first half, I just thought, right, someone's getting sent off here. Um, but we had our we had our chances to win it. Um, you know, they they had some good chances as well. When we made a a great save in the in the second mm-hmm. half, which kind of really stands out in uh, in my memory. Uh, also, Bialkowski for as much as I've advocated for us signing him, nearly uh, <laughs> let an own goal in at one point. So. <laughs> Uh, yeah, he's uh, he's definitely off that transfer list now. Um, uh, but yeah, uh, very, like I say, very, very end to end. Could have won it, but as I said, we'd have probably taken a point going into it. Um, so yeah. it, it it is is good point to to get kept a clean sheet, uh, then move on to Birmingham and, and hopefully get the the full three points there. Yeah, I don't really want to spend too much time on the Millwall game to be honest, because I think it was it was a relatively um, 
Uh, not not frustrating game, but like I was saying, uh, a bit of an arm wrestle. When you look at this side, the, the, they've just won five in a row, you know, considered two in the last six, building like a good foundation, a good form size in the division. So I think it's a real positive that we have took a point away from home, especially at the den where it can be quite difficult as well. Um, but then like the, the, the lack of clear cut chances when appreciate fans, it, it's a very, very fickle game football because if you don't create a chance in one game, that's it. You need to change everything and start all over again. But there's been probably a build up in, in the last few games or so where chances haven't been getting put away. You know, we are creating opportunities here and there, but the, the conversion rate for that is has been quite difficult, hasn't it? It hasn't really been uh, looking for like a side that should be in the top six. Yeah, it's. I, I don't know what it is with our strikers at the moment, but I was I was looking at their stats since the turn of the year. We've had 14 games since the beginning of 2022. We've registered six goals between four strikers, seven if you include Josh Corbin, but I, I didn't include him in the conversation because I don't think he's so much of a problem. But Sparrow, 10 appearances, eight starts, two goals. Watmore, 12 appearances, three starts, two goals. Balogun, 13 appearances, six starts, one goal. Connolly, 12 appearances, nine starts, one goal. And we, we all want a clinical striker, don't we? We faced one on Tuesday night in Billy Sharp. He scored eight goals since the turn of the year, which is more than our strikers combined. So I feel like it's it, it's an ongoing problem with Borough, of course. we've we've How many times have we spoken about our strikers can't finish? But to be honest, with a lot of them, personally for me, I see Sparrow as number 10. Balogun and Connolly, I actually see as wide forwards. So in maybe mm. a, a, a three, they're the, the two wide strikers. It's it's interesting, isn't it, that we've had so many striker combinations, Balogun, Connolly, Sparrow, Watmore, Sparrow, Connolly. It, 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 none of them are working. And individually, the strikers just aren't, they just aren't delivering. And, you, you know, the, the the chance that Jones laid on a plate for Sparrow on Tuesday night, you expect that to go in. And you don't expect a striker to lean back and blaze it high and wide. It's... Yeah, it's it's frustrating and somebody needs to hit a goal trail ASAP because Matt Crooks' goals have dried up of late, one in five for him. Yeah, we need we need some goals, we need some efficiency in front of goal. But how many times have we said that over the years? I'm I'm proper tired of of us not having a, a clinical striker. Um bring back Brit. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Brian Fletcher, bring bring him back for like a couple of games. He's to be fair, scoring a lot of goals in Turkey is 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 Brit Sombalonga alongside Balotelli. Yeah, alongside Balotelli and Fletcher's moved to the MLS as well, so he'll probably start banging in thirty goals a season. Um, so I, I mean, if he misses like the chance they did against Huddersfield, then we probably won't speak about it. But um, I think I think with with our strikers, it's it's, it's an in. It's a it's an interesting dilemma, isn't it? I think you're absolutely spot on, Dan, around like the wide forwards of Balogun and Connolly. I think Sparrow is very very good at bringing other players into play, like you were saying. Um, and I think his movement is is I think Sparrow's movement off the ball is definitely Premier League quality. Re, it's, it's it's really good. Um, just the finishing mm. side of things lets him down at times, and that's it's pretty the reason why he's at Middlesbrough, not at a, a top six club. Appreciate uh, Sparrow Middlesbrough a good side, but. I mean, when we're looking at the English Premier League, he's just he's just not there. Maybe if if you want to try and test things a little bit, test and try things, you know, maybe a, a three four three could could potentially work with Borough have in, uh, interchanges forwards, or if you want to play with like a if a three four three, you could even do like a false nine where Sparrow would come in and then you have two narrow forwards and they would bomb on and just try different things around like test and potentially testing that. 
But then, obviously, of course, you would probably lose someone in midfield in that protection. So I think you'd probably see Housen maybe drop out, and then you'd have probably Tav and Crooksy in there. Or if you want to keep Housen and Crooksy, maybe move Tavs to a wide forward and, and try things from there. And there's definitely options, Don, uh, for us, but it depends on whether we we want to test that right now. I personally think we could. I think it would t- probably take a lot of the weight off Isaiah Jones as well on that right-hand side. There's, there seems to be a lot of weight on his shoulders at the moment of trying to deliver something similarly to what Adama Traore was doing for, for Borough under Pulis. Um, and I think if we did move to that 3-4-3, just a, just a test maybe, or if against, a, a, say, a lesser opponent, um, I think it could potentially work. You cause the overloads on that, on the wings. You make things difficult. You can bring more players into play if you're using Sparrow. And if you wanted to, towards the end, maybe go back to the two and bring Coburn on and just go, go all out direct and just hit the ball the channels. Um, but let's go on to questions because every week we give you the chance to send us a question either via Twitter, um, our group chat on Telegram, which has over 130 people in there, um, or you can send us an email uh, at theboroughbreakdown at hotmail.com. Um, and the first question this week is from Charlie, and he says, do you, uh, I'm going to come to you, Dana, because it's a two-parter and it's got your name in it. Um, he says, <laughs> do you think the best way uh, to play against us is the high press? Um, and as we struggle to pass with confidence when it happens. And also, what is Dana's FBL chip strategy for the running? <laughs> I'll answer that one first. Um, I don't have a Scooby, to be honest. I've run out of free hits, so I've fumbled the bag there. I think there's a blank game. No, there's a double game maker 36, so I'll definitely bench boost there. But yeah, um, God knows. Uh, Captain Salah and Hope, probably. But uh, in terms of the first part of the question about the press... I think it is at the moment, yeah, definitely. I think there's a vulnerability in the way that we're playing because, as you saw against Sheffield United, as you probably saw against Barnsley as well, we look so slow and off the pace. And when teams are pressing us quite aggressively, when we're trying to build out from the back, it's causing us to think that a little bit quicker. And, you know, the, the players are only human, aren't they? They're not robots. They're, of course, the, the schedule that we've had of late, the non-stop kind of... Um, relentlessness of it you would expect it given that we're in the championship but also we have gone to extra time penalties in the case of the Man United game in two cup games and that has taken I would assume we've taken a lot out of the team so the tiredness the mental and physical tiredness the the players legs and and minds will probably be quite heavy I would assume anyway so I think the press is probably a, a good tactic to to use against us. Sheffield United used it well. Barnsley used it well. It's um, yeah, it's it's probably one of those where could we potentially rest and rotate players? Well, you look at Housen's position. The only player that you could put in there is McNair. Um, midfield, we, we've been rolled over a little bit. Well, not rolled over. I can't, I can't think of any other word. I'm just going to say fucked up um, in midfield because of our of our options. Um, Piero's out injured. McGree's out injured. Uh, Lisa Leakey pulled up in an under-23s game the other day but was out ill. Then you've got Boyd Muntz, who's obviously on the bench the other day. We don't have a lot of options available or freely available to us in midfield. So it, there's a lot of, of workload on on Tavern Crooks and that will obviously be taking its toll at the moment. So yeah, um, pressing is definitely a good way to, to target us, should we say. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. 
That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Okay. The next question is from Keith and, Keith and Johnny because it, they were both asked very similar questions. And it was, uh, are you frustrated uh, that Bora are not putting enough, uh, putting the ball in the box enough? Uh, slash, uh, for all the sexy flying football at home, do you think we're lacking a bit of Wanuck away from home? Uh, Tom, do you think Bora should revert back to hitting the ball in the channels um, or, and playing a bit more Wanucky away from home? Right, I don't think anyone's ever lacking a bit of Warnock away from home. Like <laughs> something, something I never want to see us go back to now. After uh, after we've had Wilder for as long as we have had him now, uh, just kind of really shows the difference. What I am frustrated with at the moment is that we seem to to have been found out, and that we're just going to utilize Jones to put the ball in the box, and that's it. Uh, a lot of times now, especially away from home, we're seeing people double up on Jones, uh, and it, it's it's just taking a lot more time to even get a a low cross in from the the right hand side. I think we need to balance that out with the left, but it's just it's not particularly playing to Taylor's strengths. Um, and then on Tuesday against Sheffield United, I think we, I, I don't know if this was just because the whole team was terrible, but it didn't seem like Baller was you know, anywhere near sharp enough to be playing that left-hand side. <clears throat> and he's probably who I'd rely on to, to be getting the ball in the box from that side. So that's something that needs to be addressed. But I don't think we should be hoofing it into the channels or, like, doing the Warnock tactic of, of, of just crossing it in, but in the air and, like, you know, a foot over everyone's heads. I think we've got we've got the idea right with the low crosses that, that we're doing now because that's playing to our strikers' strengths. Um, it's just we we need to uh, to have some sort of variation on the left hand side as well as the uh, as well as the right. Yeah, I think it's just getting Baller back fit again, isn't it? Because I feel like he could be a really good asset into the sides if he's fit, but his injury record hasn't been particularly great. Um, I agree with you, Tom, as well. Like the balls at the box, like it's it's so cliche. Like I think when people say like, oh, 
you know, the more like, chance you, if you get the ball in the box all the time, the more like you're gonna score. Like there probably is some factor that there probably is some some sort of statistic which might benefit that. But this side and the strikers that we have, I think maybe Bar Corbin, they're just not suited to crossing the box unless you get that low cross maybe and trying to play through teams is is definitely the way forward. Um, I think you know you've you've hit a bit of bad form at the moment. It happens throughout the season. Every team goes through it. No one's perfect in this division. Think the bigger picture with the side. And I don't think we should change the way we play now because this is the way that we want to play under Chris Wilder for the long term and the foreseeable. I don't see the point in potentially trying to change short-term tactics for a long-term strategy. Um, I think we just need to keep the way we're going and try to, to play the way we are. And I think... Nine times out of ten, we'll we'll probably get a result, but it's just it's just trying to get these. It's just trying to work out the the dilemma with the forwards at the moment, and maybe we could do that with a three four three, or a, a, a three four two one. Try to be a bit more narrow in our delivery, but I think it's just a yeah. Warnock, I, I couldn't go back to Warnock Ball. I think I've been punished too much for pureness in Warnock Ball over the years. <laughs> like I can't see it again. Um, but the next question is from Tom, um, not you, Tom, Tom Muldowney. Um, and he says, do you feel <laughs> Wilder will take more of a conservative approach away from home to ensure we keep ticking along to the running? But then do you think we, we maybe not go to Warnock Ball, but maybe just to be a bit more conservative in, in our approach? I'm trying to think what that would mean, potentially two sixes rather than two eights, maybe. But then you think, mm. okay, that the only person that you can really see playing in the number six alongside House and is McNair. Unless you put Crooks there, of course, it's doable, but potentially. But then I'm thinking, okay, what can we do in terms of the forward line? I don't think things need to be massively changed. It's just the what you were saying there, Johnny, little tweaks. I don't think we need to bring back years or anything like that. And I certainly don't think that we need to go seven at the back or anything like that. I'm sure that's not what Tom's meaning there, but still. Um no, I, I think obviously it's a, it's a conundrum why our strikers can't score and are away form at the moment, but maybe just certain tweaks in terms of maybe a two sixes or maybe a three four three. We've seen that away from home, but he hasn't started it from the off yet. But um, yeah, little tweaks, nothing, nothing major. Could be something to do with like responsibilities as 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 well. Like in the defensive line, I thought Peltier yes uh, yesterday yeah was uh, very dependable in that um, that left hand side position and McNair moving over to the right. Uh, and when you're looking at Peltier, like he's not going to be one of the the uh, centre backs who's kind of like overlapping. He will stay back a lot more, and I think Taylor. Uh, in comparison to Baller, he's not going to be pushing up as much. So defensively, they're they're set up a little bit, um, a little bit deeper away from home. Uh, just from having those two players in those positions, maybe that's that's another change that could uh, make away from home. Okay then. Um, so the, the the next question then um, it's from Dave, and he says, uh, "Does anyone feel that our match winners and difference makers deserve and require a rest?" Uh, Dana, do you think we, we need to, to rest some of our key assets? Or do we have the ability to? Yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't think. I think even if we, we were to, or it would be required, I don't think we can, to be honest, because you take out Jones. We spoke about this last week, didn't we? You take out Jones in that team, yeah. who deputises? Probably Dykesdale, isn't it? And then you, you just, if our key players deserve or require a rest, it 
kind of feels like we're just mixing around the team of starters that need a rest, if you know what I mean. So yeah. there's nobody really that could deputize for me. So if they do, it's kind of unfortunate that we don't really have the options to to do that, really. Okay, then the final question of the day. Um, it's from Daniel Johnson. He says, is expecting playoffs reasonable now? Um, Tom, do you want to take this one? Uh, expecting them, maybe not. Um, just because of the amount of teams that are kind of in and around it, like fighting for, for those last playoff spots. Uh, it, it'd be a great surprise if, if, well, not even surprise, but it'd be a great feeling if we did. Um, if we've got it like fifth or sixth or something, then we can have a, a bit of a playoff run to end the season with. Um, but it's not the end of the world if we don't get them. We finish like seventh or eighth. You know, we can rebuild next season, uh, go again, and and you know, next season it, it's fair that playoffs or you know automatic would be the expectation. Um, but like I said, with with the amount of teams who are going for it at the moment, it's probably not fair to expect them. Uh, just kind of hope for them at the moment. Okay. Um, okay, let's move into the present place. And um, the present place is the place that we give praise to people in the podcast every week. So that could be anyone in the club, a fan, uh, someone dresses up in a dinosaur costume, or anyone um, in particular. Um, Just give a mind away there, Johnny. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. Yeah. I mean, you know, who is the person that you want to praise this week? <laughs> yeah, I am going to have to put that guy in there that was in the dinosaur outfit. I saw it during the game and I just thought are we not going to talk about the guy that is literally dressed as an inflatable dinosaur and also there's a video where you can see whoever's in it it's like moving his head forward so it looks like he's eating the steward's head I just thought that was brilliant <laughs> and definitely a man in the match um, for that game credit to Chris for the, for the photo there that we've got on the YouTube video Okay then the, the dinosaur person is your person the present place. Tom, who are you gonna go for? I mean firstly it's nice to see that Tony Pulis is still following us, but uh... <laughs> <laughs> You know what? Uh, I th- I think I've kind of only got uh one, maybe two this week. Um Connolly, I would say. Um I've been like I said on Tuesday, no one really deserved it. But yesterday, I, I, I thought he he was very good. I thought he worked really hard, and he's uh, he's starting to show a little bit more of kind of what he's all about. Um, I've been impressed with him in, in most recent games, not Sheffield United, um, and and Peltier yesterday as well. Like I say, stepped in very dependable, and um, yeah, he did kind of pretty much everything you'd you'd want him to do in that uh, that centre back position. Um, you do feel feel comfortable with him playing there, so yeah, I've, I've got to go with those two. Okay, then um, I'm going to go with Martin Carter. I think um, I think if, if anyone's uh, listened to the interview that he did with BBC T Sport um, earlier in the week, I thought it was really insightful. Um, in, in his uh, in his role in trying to bring in talent to uh, to the club and the success of that, when you obviously look at the likes of, of Jed Spence and Isaiah Jones both coming from London, coming in the area, development through the academy. And I think a lot of credit uh, is is needed for Craig Little and his team to try and get these players ready for for, for men's football. Um, and helping us see in those progress. I think sometimes a lot of the, the backroom staff and the people have to try and get these players in the door, develop them and trying to to build uh, a, a squad um, and, and a team that Borough fans can be proud of. I think it, it, it doesn't, 
doesn't get talked about enough, I don't think. Um, I think Martin Carter's doing a fantastic job uh, of bringing those players in. And I think he just deserves a, a bit of praise for for being able to do that because I feel like there's going to be a lot more players going to come through um, in the coming weeks, months and years, especially with, with the team that we've got there. Um, yeah, so uh, moving on, shall we? Um, let's, let's move on to Birmingham then because... Uh, the games don't stop for Borough, where we play Birmingham, uh, Birmingham City on Tuesday night. Um, the Blues are currently 18th place in the championship table with 41 points with 37 games. Uh, to get a Birmingham perspective, uh, we reached out to Gab Sutton, who is absolutely fantastic. His knowledge of, of the AFL is absolutely superb. Scary. Um, to, it's scarily good. Um, yeah, and we reached out to Gab to, to find out a little bit more about Birmingham this season. I think Blues are one of several teams in the Championship this season that are maybe a little bit lucky that the standard of the relegation dogfight is much lower this season than it has been previous seasons. So there's been times where the 16-17, for example, stands out where you could have a, a pretty strong points tally, possibly pushing the 50 mark and still get relegated. I think Blackburn were, a, was it 51 they were relegated with a few years before that? Peterborough, I think, went down with 54. So... Sometimes you you get these seasons where you can be a little bit unlucky going down. I think maybe Blues are one of the teams that are maybe a little bit lucky staying up because we started really well and um, we've had a little bit of a falter sort of over maybe November and December and then in January we made some some big signings like in midfield uh, Janinho Bakuna, Lyle Taylor, Ernel Hernandez. These are all players that have, have lifted us a little bit. Your lot all know Hernandez from his time with your lot. For us, he's just given us that injection of pace, really. And uh, it was something we were missing in our attack. Lyle Taylor wasn't a signing I was necessarily mad on when he first came in, but he's uh, he's given us a bit of a cutting edge in that final third, maybe more so than, than what we've had up top previously, especially with, uh, with Troy Deeney injured. I still think we're looking at quite a big rebuild and we're putting a lot of faith in the hands of uh, Craig Gardner, who's our technical director, and Lee Bowyer to get things right this summer and and to oversee a little bit more progress. I'm hoping for uh, a bit of evolution, I suppose, rather than than revolution, because I don't think this needs wholesale changes. I just think we need to try and get the right players in. But there's also an issue with sort of offloading players because we've got players like Mark Roberts, He's probably going to be on a fair whack. Who um, he's probably our best aerial centre back. Don't get me wrong, and I think he he's one who kind of heads balls out of the box, but he does it kind of whilst stumbling a little bit. So I would worry a little bit that if Middlesbrough put put the odd cross in, Roberts can head it away, but then your lot are so good, or Chris Wilder's side are so good at sustaining pressure, that would be a little bit of a worry that, you know, one of the Mark Roberts headers will go to someone else and then they'll lay it to someone outside the box and Borough will be able to keep that pressure off, that keep that pressure up. That would be a little bit of a concern for me about this game. But as I say, there's been um, there's been some progress recently, and we're sort of just ticking off the points that we need in order to stay in the championship for next season. I'm hoping that we can get the right players in in the summer because uh, we need to we need to improve the squad really. 
if we're to uh, push up towards uh, towards that top half next season. But we're reasonably happy with Lee Bowyer. We've got a lot of faith in in him. Not loads of faith in the ownership regime, if we're, if we're honest. Probably a little bit um, envious in a way of what Middlesbrough have with uh, with Steve Gibson. Um, but looking forward to the game, and uh, let's hope we can uh, we can upset you on Tuesday night. Cheers. I really hope you don't upset us, Gab. Um, <laughs> um, Gab is, is, like I said before we, we cut the cut away, Gab is absolutely brilliant. And you can find him at Gab Sutton uh, on Twitter and he presents the EFL debate um, on BBC Squad Goals and League of 72 as well. He does a lot of writing um, for a number of outlets as well. So yeah, do, do, do give Gab a follow. He's absolutely brilliant. But guys, um, how do you feel about the game then? Because like you were alluding to earlier, Dana, our waveform is absolutely horrendous. We're low, they have below the average so that must mean we are going to what win (laughs) but yeah St Andrews is one of those grounds where we've had we've actually had decent fortunes there of late obviously a what was it a 4-1 win or something beating Itoka Anka there but it's always a ground that I've never had great confidence going into when, when we play there whenever we play there on a night as well it's always I always get memories of games that maybe in the Tony Mowbray era where I'm just thinking oh god here we go again but I'm yeah, I, I did have a look at our head-to-head record against Birmingham. Nothing to nothing of, of note, really. Not in terms of, you know, Orkwell, where it was, what, two wins in nine games there. So, um, yeah, this is a, a big opportunity. As I said in our Millwall thoughts, the Millwall point is only a good point if we get three against Birmingham, for me. So, tough game. Um, Onil Hernandez is... is um, is a Birmingham player, and uh, yeah, there was many times this season where I said that he was doing my tits in. So yeah, let's um, let's have that Onel Hernandez goal then, but let's hope that it's in a, a Birmingham defeat. Yeah, it's definitely going to be a tap in and a shirt off moment, shirt off, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> shit housery. Uh, but Tom, how are you feeling about it? Uh, yeah, it, it's going to be a difficult game. Um, just just for the fact that it's away from home. If if it was at home, I'd, I'd fully expect us to to win this by about two or three. But um, yeah, with it being away from home, it's it's a different borough team, isn't it? Um, I, I do agree that that point at Millwall is only good if if we get three points here. It's it's three points we have to be getting uh, at this stage of the season. Um, so I, I am expecting it to be a tough game, but I also I, I have faith that we will win it. Uh, just just kind of based on the um, the turnaround in the uh, application levels against Millwall uh, coming straight after that Sheffield United result, I think we can hopefully get a, a good result here. Um, I mean, it'd be typical of us if if we we drew or lost and then go and beat Chelsea at the weekend. But um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if, if we if we can just get a, a good result here to kind of wrap up the championship for now before the international break, uh, and then hopefully get a you know a, a decent game against Chelsea, then then I'll be happy and then we can go again straight after for the last stretch. Yeah, I I, I always think about when I, I think about Birmingham away. There's, there's two games in particular. 
There's one know. where Ayala's goal is disallowed, and then two yeah, is one where two... dis- disallowed for that goal. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it still frustrates me. And then there's another one where 16 year old Jude Bellingham absolutely had on with Springs. Um, that, was, that was honestly a horrible game. He he literally sent Brit to Bellingham for him. It was so funny the way that he literally it was weaving in in, in and around our midfield, <laughs> and then Brit comes into the frame and just flies straight out because he slips when he tries to press him. Um, it is quite funny watching it back. But yeah, that game was horrible. We almost robbed a point from that as well yeah the good old banter era eh? you think you leave it but you, ne- you never do um so what's your prediction then guys are you thinking are we thinking a win a draw a defeat uh tom what do you think i'm gonna go with one nil scrappy game one nil win okay dana two one for me two on bora and we've got 2-1 as well. I think Arnold Hernandez is going to probably score for Birmingham. Um, but let's look a further ahead then to Chelsea. Um, we're in the FA Cup uh, quarterfinal where we play, we play the European and world champions um, in Chelsea. And they do play Newcastle today. And they're sitting in third place in the Premier League under Thomas Tuchel. Um, but owner Roman Abramovich has currently had his assets frozen um, due to the ongoing um Fiasco in in the Ukraine. Um, so with all that uncertainty in, um, we we did try we did reach out to London's Blue Podcast. But we've had a, a couple of problems with it, so we'll break it down instead. Um, we'll look at the top score scorers and Lukaku. He's got eleven goals this season. Havertz is playing as a centre forward at the moment. Um, Mason Mount is the top assister with nine. Um, but it's very important when you look at this Chelsea side at the wing-backs, when you look at Reese James. And earlier in the season, uh, Ben Chilwell, before his injury, there is so much um, ability and also much pressure in the overlords and all of the majority of their play does come from that wing play, um, especially in Reese James as well, who is a very talented footballer. But guys, how are we feeling about the game? Because appreciate there's going to be a lot on Chelsea like there was um, in the Spurs game. There's a, appreciate all of this thing going on with Roman Abramovich wanting to sell his assets being frozen, them not being able to pay, pay for fuel for the, the team bus. Um, the fans not allowed to be in the stadium unless uh, they've already bought a ticket or a season ticket holder, which has another dynamic. Um, but how we feel about the game in general, just the football itself, um, one game away from Wembley, we beat Manchester United. We beat Spurs. Can we make it a third Premier League team? Uh, Dan, how are you feeling about it? Yeah, bring it on. I always go into these games, as I've said um, many times, just hoping that we could put in a good performance. And I think Reese James might be out for the game because he picked up an injury. I trip, uh, No, I didn't triple captain him. I, I captained him on FPL in double game week and I was gutted. This always happens to me that the first game of a double game week is good and then the second game is always bad. He's obviously ruled out through injury. But I'm pretty sure Tuchel said that it's it can either be a couple of days or a couple of weeks. So let's hope that he's, he's not fit for the game because obviously he's a, a, a fantastic player um a good friend of Marcus Tavernier as well so that's an interesting footnote um but yeah I think uh, random that I know that in that but uh yeah Havertz is I mean Havertz is a very good player uh, a very good player that works really well in between the lines um obviously he's keeping Lukaku at the side I think Lukaku's return to Chelsea hasn't exactly been glistening this season but I can't help but think of Jorginho on that Annoying penalty that he does, and funnily enough, uh, ahead of <laughs> ahead of the the Euros games, I was watching a video of a, of a breakdown of his penalty. I hope John Lumley's watched this video as well. If we ever go to penalties, because the 
goalkeepers that have saved from that Jorginho type penalty have always waited until the very, very, very last second because you see, and we saw it with uh, Bruno Fernandes' penalty in the shootout against Man United. Uh, Joel normally went early. You never, ever go early against those penalties. Um, that's what I learned from that video anyway. So, yeah, tough game, obviously. Of course, I'm saying Captain Obvious, but hopefully we can put in a good performance. That's all you ever want from these games, to be honest. It'll be a rocking Riverside atmosphere as well. Uh, should give us a few more tickets if the Chelsea fans uh, aren't able to sell theirs. But yeah, looking forward to it. Yeah, Tom, how are you feeling about it as well? And echoing Dana's uh, thoughts there, uh, being excited about it? Yeah, it's just going to be a, a good occasion, isn't it? Good atmosphere. Um, happy we've sold out again. Um you know, I mean, other than the football, I've kind of looked at this whole cup journey thing and the amount we must have made off ticket sales of this this FA Cup run and, and what that can do for us next season. Uh, you know, imagine now if we get to Wembley and we sell like what forty five thousand or whatever you get at Wembley as well, that'd be great. But um, yeah, I just think it's going to be a, a good occasion. I don't have many very happy memories of watching us play Chelsea at the Riverside. I think I remember going with school once and we won one nil because Jeremy scored a free kick. Uh, but then, I, you know, I got my season, not nearly knocked my mic out, got my season, got a half season ticket, my first one on um, was Southgate's first season. And we'd already beat them 2 1 at the start of the season. And that was actually the last time we beat them. Um, I, I think actually at the Riverside or, or maybe just in general. Um, but I, like one of my overriding memories of uh, of playing Chelsea at the Riverside was getting hammered five nil, and uh, I think mm. it was Alex Alex scored from about thirty five yards. That it was Belletti, wasn't it? I think oh, it was. Belletti, yeah, yeah. I think it was Daniel Belletti. Yeah, remember that one? Um, that was a great one for me. My first season as a season card holder. <laughs> ah, <laughs> yes, yeah, five nil. <laughs> it's all went downhill since you've been, you became a season ticket holder, hasn't oh, it? All came downhill. So we. We are overdue a win against Chelsea uh, at the Riverside. So, <laughs> yeah, maybe yeah. if we can just do the same as what we did against Spurs and then uh, you know, we'll knock Liverpool out in the semi-finals. I feel like we all want to be fair in the FA Cup. You know, I think with, with when uh, Ben Roberto gets uh, lobbed, uh, I'm sorry, Ben Roberts, but Ben Roberto Di Matteo, you get, people will get that joke. Um, but obviously that one conceding, you know, we've we've had the, the, the games against them in the past where, it's been a really good atmosphere. I, mean, I remember the 3 0 uh, win, I think it was uh, Viduka and Hasselbank, I think, was scoring against. I think it was under either Southgate or McLaren. I think we beat him under uh, when Jose was manager as well. So, yeah, it, it, look, it's a, it's a really difficult game. I think the quality that they have uh, in, in, this, in this Chelsea team is fantastic. You know, they're really building a strong, strong side. Um, I appreciate, I think, if Reese James is injured and obviously with Chilwell being out, you know, we do have that. Have well, we we have that uh, ability to probably press them a little bit higher than we thought we could have. Um, the one thing I do fear about is whoever plays up front and the pace that they have, and who is going to be playing at the back for us. Um, Dale Fry does not do well with pace. Um, but and uh, if if we do, if he does play Lukaku, I think it, it's another person in the big big pockets of Dale Fry. Um, and hopefully we can we can get a result because how good would it be to get to Wembley? We've you know we've never it's we've had probably the hardest running in history probably at some uh, you know we play everyone who we're playing against, especially with like the t- the team that we are. So. Yeah, I think it'd be a really, really good night. I might just not go because every time I feel like, <laughs> just because even though I've got my ticket, I know like I'm just a bad luck curse. Uh, so, yeah. What predictions? What are we gonna go for then? Do you think we're gonna see another upset and go to Wembley way again? Uh, Tom, what do you think? 
Yeah, you know what? I'm I'm just going to be optimistic for this one. It's like a free hit for the cup, and it's so all just go repeat of uh, repeat of Spurs one nil, and it's going to be Josh Coburn coming on for a last minute winner. One nil. Uh, Dan, what are you going to go for? <clears throat> five nil, Bora. Five nil, Bora. I'm going to say five. Five. Meg. <laughs> Meg Kepper five times, like they did to Guzan three times. Um, nah, but let's be realistic. Um, well, to be fair, I say let's be realistic. I'm going to predict. Let's be realistic. I'm going to go six nil. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm going to I'm going to echo Thomas here. One nil, Bora. One nil. I'm going to go. You know, I'm going to think we're going to go Wembley way. I think we'll win two on. Um, I just think we'll win by sheer luck. It'll go off Anthony Dyke still bum, and we'll go, and we'll go all the way through. Um. Right, okay, that's pretty much it. But one final question from me, and I'm going to bring these in from the polls that we do on Twitter on match days. And the question this week, which got one of the most votes, was what is Dale Fry's signature dish? Um, it was spaghetti bolognese, steak and chips, uh, questionably cooked parmo, and bangers and mash. <laughs> what do you think is Dale Fry's signature dish? Uh, Dana, what do you think? Well, see, I saw that poll and immediately thought bangers and mash. And I know the part okay. more obviously bore a lad, bore a dish, mm. but bangers and mash for me, I think, is is right up till Friday Street. Okay, bangers and mash. Uh, Tom, are you going to go for? Uh, I voted for steak and chips yesterday and outraged that it didn't win. So <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it's got to be that. I think it looks like a steak and chips guy. I think he does look like a steak and chips guy. I think like the questionably, I had to put questionably cooked in the Palmore one because I felt like that, sure, he can't, he can't. Do it far more that well, could he? Um, <laughs> he's, de- he's definitely getting the takeaway um, if he's getting one of those. Um, but yeah, I've got steak and chips. But guys, thank you very much for joining me as always. And thank you very much to the listener for listening to us as well. And Borough start to stutter in the championship, but there's plenty of football to be played. We could be on our way to Wembley Way again. Uh, this is the Borough Breakdown podcast, and that was all your Borough Match Day chatter in a pod. Up the Borough Breakdown. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.